स्ट्रेस इज द बिगेस्ट किलर ऑफ ऑल द हॉर्मोन्स वेदर इट इज योर फीमेल हॉर्मोन्स एस्ट्रोजन प्रोजेस्ट्रॉन और इवन टेस्ट्रॉन और यू नो इट इज योर टाइरड हॉर्मोन्स और एड्रीनल हॉर्मोन्स सो वेरी इंपॉर्टेंट आर लाइफ इज टोटली स्ट्रेसफुल दीज एज राइट whether is going through the pandemic whether it is you know our personal life stress whether it is a professional stress we are juggling between too many roles especially females right they are taking a role of a wife you know or a daughter you know or like taking care of their own kids you know like they have a profession so they are taking the professional life wearing so many hats yes you can make it function but it is stressful for your body right so just create some time for yourself i'm not asking for taking like you know day off you know every week or just you know like 3 or 4 hours every day that you keep for yourself but 10 15 minutes that itself is very powerful to changing that stress response welcome to the menopause mastery podcast a show for women just like you who are ready for more health vitality passion living life with a purpose I created this show because I knew that women just like me in this second season of life, the season of menopause, are really tapping into their deepest desires. And we're ready to harness our physical and mental health and explore what our true passions are and peel back the layers to uncover exactly what we want out of life. I'm your host, Betty Murray, part geek, part magician, and your new medical bestie with a dash of sass. I love taking the complex science and making it easier to integrate into daily life. So let's join the journey to make this season the best ever. Welcome back to Menopause Mastery. My guest today is Dr. Anshul Gupta. He is a best-selling author, a speaker, a researcher, and a world's expert in Hashimoto's disease. He educates women and men worldwide on reversing Hashimoto's disease. He is a board-certified family medicine physician with advanced certifications in functional medicine, peptide therapy, and also fellowship trained in integrative medicine. He's also worked at the prestigious Cleveland Clinic Department of Functional Medicine alongside Dr. Mark Hyman, and he's helped thousands of patients reverse their health issues by using the concepts and the underpinnings of functional medicine. And he is the author of Reversing Hashimoto's. And so today we went into Hashimoto's and talked a little bit about um obviously the causes of Hashimoto's, why it is so underdiagnosed, why we see so much Hashimoto's now, you know, comparatively 18 years ago when I opened my clinic, we saw quite a bit of it, but today it is truly epidemic and so I think a lot of women and probably men are walking around today either brewing Hashimoto's or have Hashimoto's and they don't even realize it. So today Dr. Gupta and I really went in deep on what's really going on there and you know what are the underlying triggers and causes and then he outlined a, a very simple protocol that I think anybody that's trying to you know repair their thyroid would benefit from that's in his book uh, Reversing Hashimoto's but really how to take charge of that. So listen in today with Dr. G and I talking about reversing Hashimoto's. So, Dr. G, your specialty is all about Hashimoto's. So, tell me what inspired you to really deep dive into Hashimoto's and I know you wrote a book called Reversing Hashimoto's. What what really prompted you to go down that rabbit hole? Yeah, Betty, so I think all of us, you know, have uh, similar stories that we ourselves went through some health scare which prompted us to kind of go into these particular fields of functional medicine or holistic medicine 
So my story is very similar. Like, you know, I was a regular family physician just out of residency, couple of years into the private practice, busy private practice, you know, I was going through that. But I started having certain health scare symptoms. You know, I was started gaining weight, even though I did not change anything with my lifestyle. You know, I was having this horrible, horrible stomach pain, you know, randomly during the clinic or even in the night hours, I will have the stomach pain and this will make me double over. The pain was so bad. Sometimes I will think over, okay, I should be go to the emergency room. But I thought, well, what are they going to do? They're just going to mask the symptoms of the painkiller, right? But I need to root, need to go to the root of the problem. But obviously there was no root cause approach in conventional medicine. So I just had to suffer. I started taking some medications to help with it. Nothing, you know, made anything better. Other symptoms started creeping up. I was feeling very, very tired. You know, during the afternoon hours, it was very difficult just to go through the whole day. I was either drinking like two or three cups of coffee or maybe taking a nap during the day. After my day was done, it was very difficult to, for me to concentrate on anything at all. Kind of brain foggy symptoms, you know, I was going through. So all of these things were going on, you know, like I tried my own self treating it, nothing was getting better. So I thought maybe I'm not a smart doctor. Let me get all these specialists on board so that they can help me out. I went specialist after specialist, like GI specialists, allergy specialists, other things. They did endoscopies, colonoscopies, ultrasounds, blood work. Everything was normal. They added more medications to my regimen, but nothing was working. It was literally like I was just 32 years of age and I was going through all of these symptoms and nobody could help me. And I was like, really, I have to live the rest of my life this way. That was really scary for me. And I was no hope, you know, for me to get better. So that's where I found functional medicine. Well, okay, well, functional medicine has these stories of people, you know, getting better, reversing their things. So I started trained into functional medicine. I started finding my root cause of my own problem because where I was living, there was no functional medicine doctors. And we're talking about 10 years ago. Obviously, there was no virtual visits at the time. So you had to travel. So I kind of started finding my own root cause and then started implementing a plan, a stepwise approach, just simple lifestyle changes, some supplements. Within one month, life changed completely. My stomach pain was gone completely. Within six months, I was off all medications. I already lost 40 pounds. And then, you know, like no brain fog, mental clarity was great. And I, my energy was so good that I even participated in a 5K rugged maniac. And I was never an athletic person. So for me to do that was a big thing. So that was kind of an aha moment for me. But then later on, actually, I was invited to work at the Cleveland Clinic Functional Medicine Center alongside Mark Hyman. So at that time, what I was noticed was that I was seeing these middle-aged to like older females, and they all had very similar symptoms as mine. They all had weight troubles. They were all having stomach problems. They were all tired. They had brain fog issues, all of those things. And one thing was common. They all had Hashimoto's disease. And then they were all taking medications for it by the regular doctors or through their specialists, but still not getting better. So I felt connected with them that my similar symptoms were theirs and they were all without any hope. So I need to make a change. So I started researching Hashimoto's at what was the root cause, what exactly was happening in these Hashimoto's patients so that, you know, we can get better. I kind of made a protocol, a three-step protocol over there to kind of help these Hashimoto's clients of mine applied it in like thousands of patients and saw phenomenal results. Not only their symptoms got better, their blood work started getting better too. All their antibodies were coming low. Their thyroid numbers were getting better. Some of them were even able to get off or lower the medications, which was kind of unheard of in the conventional medicine world. And their quality of life was amazing. Most of them will comment that 
Dr. Gupta, finally, I'm getting my life back. And they said, you know, I never knew that there was a total different approach to Hashimoto's. Because once you get Hashimoto's, basically, it was a death sentence for them that your thyroid is going to die eventually. And you will have to live with this levothyroxine medicine for the rest of their life. So that prompted me to write the book also of reversing Hashimoto's kind of, again, research-based approach that we have taken kind of help and give hope to people that they can get better from it. I think, you know, it's uh, first off, I, you know, applaud you for digging in and looking, you know, in your own health because you're, you're a little bit unique because if you look at sort of autoimmune conditions, it's 10 to 1 women to men. But I think there's this idea that men don't get them either. And I'm like, you do. Chances are that statistics are maybe possibly skewed a little bit because let's face it, most men, unless you're dying, <laughs> you don't go to the doctor. Right. And especially if you're a doctor, right? So it's, it's, I hate that you had to go through that. But, you know, I think Hashimoto's is an epidemic. And especially, you know, I've been in practice for 18 years. And, you know, compared to what I saw 18 years ago to today, it's pretty much a guarantee. Like, well, well, you probably have antibodies. So let's go ahead and look. So explain what it is and how it affects the thyroid and, and kind of thinking my listeners probably have an idea, but they may not understand completely what's happening in Hashimoto's disease. Absolutely. So again, the unfortunate part is that a lot of people know about thyroid disorders and a lot of females have been diagnosed with thyroid disorder, but they don't know that whether they have Hashimoto's or not and what kind of thyroid disorders they have, right? So just kind of introduction about these things. So thyroid disorders are basically two kinds that, you know, conventional medicine recognizes. Either it's a hypothyroidism where your body is not making enough thyroid hormone which is the most common diagnosis, that's the treatment of levothyroxine or hyperthyroidism or Graves disease, where your body is making too much of the thyroid hormone, which is kind of a little bit lesser, you know, like in incidence as compared to the hypothyroidism. Now, hypothyroidism, if you dig deeper, has two causes, either it's iodine deficiency or it is actually Hashimoto's disease. So as you correctly pointed out, you know, when initially Hashimoto's or even hypothyroidism was, was kind of a thing, it was finally discovered, then the number one reason was iodine deficiency because we didn't know about the iodine kind of usefulness and we did not have the ability to add it to a, a lot of food. So that was the number one reason. But then we started adding iodine to our food, like either to table salt or other fortified food. So we saw that the iodine deficiency was almost going away. But then the incidence of thyroid disorders was not going down as expected. It was actually going increasing in the last decade, right? So now the number one reason of hypothyroidism is Hashimoto's and not iodine deficiency. And what people don't know is that Hashimoto's is an autoimmune condition. What that means is that your body is producing antibodies which is attacking your thyroid gland 24-7, 365 days. And the eventual product of destroying the thyroid gland is hypothyroidism. So that distinguishing is very important to need. And the worst part is that most people don't know is that the medicine they are taking, the levothyroxine, is not doing anything to help with the autoimmune process or this underlying process. It is just putting a patch or a band-aid of letting or giving people external thyroid hormone. And slowly and slowly, the thyroid is going to be destroyed. So this thyroid hormone need will keep on increasing slowly and slowly. So it is very important for people to know, actually go to their practitioner, get some basic tests done to check if they have Hashimoto's antibodies or not. Because if they do have it, then they need to take certain steps to prevent this damage from happening. Yeah, you know, it's, it's so frustrating because 
I'm sure you, you obviously see this every day because you wrote a book about it, but you'll have somebody come in and they're hypothyroid, probably been on medication for a long time. And I'm like, do you know if it's Hashimoto's? And they're like, I don't know. That's kind of why I'm here. I want to I know more. And you know, their doctor will tell them it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because, because you're just going to be on thyroid medication, which is basically saying we don't care about what started it and what's causing the underlying problem. We're just going to wait for your thyroid to die. And then the, the, the underlying sort of understanding from that doctor is we're just going to put in this medication and then everything's going to be steady. But Hashimoto's has a lot of variability, right? It's got, you know, it doesn't stay steady. Talk a little bit about that because I think people think they're just going to be tired and fatigued, but there's all these other symptoms that go with Hashimoto's and they don't stay static. So talk about the variability because I think that frustrates a lot of people with Hashimoto's. Absolutely. You kind of, you know, brought a very interesting topic because a lot of people that come to see us, you know, like I was saying that, you know, my thyroid fluctuates. Sometimes I need high medication. Sometimes I need low medicines. I'm kind of a roller coaster ride. You know, like every morning when I wake up, I don't know where I will be. One day I'll be tired. The other day I will be like anxious. The third day I will be depressed. Or the fourth day, you know, I will have this horrible brain fog. And I don't know what is happening with me. They go to the regular doctors. Obviously, their blood work looks absolutely fine. So they are told, well, it is in your head, right? You are making up these symptoms. You know, like these symptoms are not real because your blood work is looking normal. But in reality, it's the Hashimoto's, right? Because it's an autoimmune process. So there are triggers of Hashimoto's, which are prompting your body to make these antibodies. So whenever those triggers, your body get exposed to more of those triggers, then your body makes more and more antibodies. These antibodies ultimately lead to inflammation in your body. This inflammation is non-specific, right? It is obviously destroying your thyroid gland, but it is also leading to destruction of all the other organs of your body. Interesting part is that people don't realize Hashimoto's is a systemic disease, right? Because people think, oh, it's like rheumatoid arthritis, which is just destroying like their joints. But Hashimoto is not only destroying the thyroid gland, destroying everything from your brain to your legs. Because brain fog that you're experiencing is destruction of your brain, right? You already have inflammation of your thyroid. The gut-related symptoms of whether constipation, bloating, diarrhea, that is your gut being destroyed. Feeling tired or fatigue is your adrenal glands is being destroyed. You know, having infertility issues, you know, again, and saying that your female hormones are being destroyed. In menopausal women, having a lot of menopause-related symptoms of mood changes, you know, feeling tired or feeling fatigued or having bone loss even is all related to Hashimoto's. So that's the destruction which Hashimoto's does. And unless you know what are the root causes or what are the triggers of you, you just keep exposing yourself with those triggers and that will be on the roller coaster ride that one day you'll expose to more trigger your body will make more antibodies more inflammation more destruction so that's the reason people just are totally lost of why they are feeling you know this way of feeling better and worse which is like you know just they don't have no idea about it absolutely talk a little bit about the biggest triggers you think are obviously at play i mean you know, everybody can probably assume I shouldn't probably eat fast food and sugar and <laughs> down a bunch of alcohol. But what do, you, what do you think are the big, big triggers? I think the big triggers I have seen, you know, are basically toxins. Toxins are a huge, huge trigger for Hashimoto's. Our world is toxic, you know, completely today. And uh, it's very difficult to live a toxin-free lifestyle. Whether it's heavy metals like lead and mercury that, you know, we are getting exposed to our arsenic. Or it is, you know, the mold toxins which are living, you know, in our world, in our houses, in our workplaces, in hotels and other places. Or the environmental toxins, 
all the beauty products, all the cosmetics things that we are putting on our skin, you know, is laden with toxins. You know, all the food that we are eating, again, you know, is laden with different kinds of toxins, right? The air we are breathing is again toxic. So toxins are kind of part of our environment daily. So those are the biggest triggers. And I think those are contributing very, very highly in increasing the trend of, first of all, Hashimoto's disease, plus also a lot of females are going through early menopause, right? And the, we, are, we are feeling that basically these toxins, which have very phytoestrogenic properties, you know, kind of, again, causes this high inflammatory response in early females, early age of females, and that ultimately burns down kind of their, you know, like ovaries and other places, and that leads to early menopause. So there is a good connection between Hashimoto's and menopause that we see, which is happening day in, day out. So the triggers are very, very similar to both of them. In fact, you know, like the thyroid hormone and estrogen hormone are kind, kind of very much related. So thyroid hormone has these receptors because your thyroid makes thyroid hormone, but it has to go to the cells and those cells have to recognize the thyroid hormone to let it enter the cells and do its job, which are called thyroid receptors. And each and every cell of your body has it. Now, estrogen hormones is responsible for the proper functioning of those thyroid receptors in females. So when the levels of estrogen changes, you know, whether it's a perimenopause or menopause and the levels drop down, those thyroid receptors do not work very well. And the lowering of the estrogen also causes a big shift in hormone cascade of females, which again causes an inflammatory response, you know, in again females. And that is a major reason of having a lot of these symptoms which are associated with menopause. But now research suggests that, you know, like just going through perimenopause or menopause is linked to Hashimoto's. So a lot of females will get diagnosed with Hashimoto's or thyroid disorders around their menopause or perimenopausal time. And they're just told, well, it is just, you know, like you cannot do anything about it. It is a nature's call that, you know, your hormones are going away and you just have to suffer to it. But in reality, that is not true, right? You can do things which can improve stuff. But it's very important, you know, for you know, females to know that menopause or perimenopause is a very big trigger itself for Hashimoto's. Absolutely. You know, it's none of us women and even men, men go through andropause. It's just a more subtle change, right? But, but we, we don't get a pass on that. But the simple fact is, is, you know, 120 years ago, our average lifespan was 57 years. We aren't designed to live this long. And it's the loss of these hormones that cause us to age rapidly. But, you know, the average woman's going to live about 30 to 35 years without hormones unless they replace them. You know, so it is unnatural for us to exist a long time after fertility, truly. If you really look at it, nature, nature's like, if you can't procreate, move on. You know, maybe help with the grandkids for a little while. But, but so now we have, you know, I forgot baby boomer generation and now Gen X, which I'm part of. I mean, there's an extraordinary amount of women going through menopause, this transition, and they are, you know, all these symptoms are showing up and everybody's chalking it up to menopause, but it is actually now a thyroid problem on top of it. And they don't know that, you know, all of my, all of my hormone stuff started like when I was going through the, just the start of perimenopause, like all of that happened. So I've had a little more than a decade to deal with it. So I completely understand when women are like, I'm so frustrated. So tell me, so tell me about the lab. So, so we want to talk a little bit about what, so in case my listeners don't know, what should they absolutely ask for and give them all the little caveats on how to make sure they get the right labs? Absolutely. So again, most of the people, when they're going to the regular doctors, they're only just getting one test, which is the TSH, which is the thyroid stimulating hormone. So that's the conventional way of knowing whether you have a thyroid disorder 
or even when you do have a thyroid disorder to monitor the therapy, that's the only way to use it. But interesting fact is that most people don't even know TSH is not even a thyroid hormone. It's a brain hormone. It's a signaling hormone which your brain produces to go to the thyroid gland to produce more thyroid hormone or less thyroid hormone. The actual thyroid hormone that your gland is producing is T3 and T4. So those are the ones you, first of all, you need to make sure that your doctors is checking of free T4 and free T3. So you know where your thyroid is. That's the first thing. The second thing is lab tests to check for Hashimoto's. These are simple lab tests called thyroid antibodies. Two antibody levels that you need to get checked. One is TPO, which is the thyroid peroxidase antibodies. And the other one is thyroglobulin antibodies. These are available on all the labs. You know, like, so it's not that you have to go to any specialty lab to do it. And they're covered by majority of the insurances. So there should not be any challenge for you to get these done. So you just have to convince your doctor, ask them very politely and graciously saying that, well, I, I want to know whether you have Hashimoto's or not. Your doctor might give you a pushback saying it doesn't matter, it's not going to change because your levels are normal. But you can simply say that, well, I just want to know, you know, I know my insurance company is paid for it. So can you just please order those tests and I want to know about it. A lot of doctors will check them once and they will not check it again. Because according to them, once you have antibody levels, they always go up, right? So they said, well, why to check anything when I cannot do anything about it? My patients are going to ask me questions. This level is going up. What are you going to do about it? And they will say nothing because literally they don't know anything about it. But as I shared that, you know, through our protocol or functional medicine protocols, we see great results with reducing these antibodies, even going all the way to zero or negative, you know, like these antibody levels. So it is a possibility. So if you are doing something to make these antibodies better, then it is definitely a good choice to monitor them. But at least initially know whether you do have Hashimoto's or not by checking these antibodies and getting a complete thyroid panel of T3, T4 so that you know like what is going on with your body. Because, you know, data is great. You know, like you'll understand why you're feeling the way you are. And, you know, like finally you will get closure in terms of a diagnostic thing, you know, because... As you currently mentioned, 90% or more females will have Hashimoto's, but only 50% of them will actually have a test done for Hashimoto's. So that's the statistic, which is, which is kind of scary. Yeah. So talk to me about a little bit about your approach and how you look at it, because obviously we take a very different approach than conventional medicine, because again, conventional medicine is going to go, well, you're just going to continue down this road, take, you know, levothyroxine, and we can even go back to that a little bit. What's, what are some of the things that you put into your program that people can, can implement? Because conventional medicine says there's nothing that you can do to change it. And we Absolutely. know better. <laughs> yes, exactly. And again, the same thing, you know, like interesting part is that there is research supporting these things, you know, like we are talking about, right? We are just not talking about or making these things, you know, up in our head. So there is research is supporting, you just have to look for it, right? So so the major things, you know, a lot of people then can, can do easily is change your lifestyle, right? That is kind of very a powerful tool that you can use. So let's talk about the diet piece of it, right? You know, like the diet piece of it, there are food which causes inflammation in your body and causes these antibodies. And there are foods which reduce inflammation. So the bottom line is that stay away from food, which is inflammatory causing, which are like gluten, dairy, sugar, processed food, you know, processed kind of dairy, all of those things, just stay away from all of these things. They are definitely causing inflammation, adding no nutritional value. That's the biggest thing about these foods. And then add food, which is good for you, right? You know, all these non-starchy vegetables, you know, like add those colorful vegetables, add those. They have total anti-inflammatory properties. 
A lot of doctors will scare a lot of people with thyroid disorders. Don't eat vegetables, especially cruciferous vegetables. They are bad for you. They're not going to let your thyroid function. No, it was a very old study. In 1980s, that study was done on rabbits, which showed that okay, they're eating these cruciferous vegetables. And because they were iodine deficient, that's the reason they were not able to absorb proper iodine from it. But as I said, now coming forward in 20th century, the current reason is Hashimoto's disease. And these, all these cruciferous and green vegetables have a lot of antioxidants in them, have a lot of great vitamins and minerals, which your body needs to fight off all this inflammation. So if you, you can eat them freely, and we do have a couple of research studies, which does prove that, you know, at eating, you know, like an anti-inflammatory diet does improve the thyroid numbers, improve the antibody levels. So please, you know, do that. So eat a lot of like non-starchy vegetables, eat good quality, clean protein, whether it is your chicken, fish or turkey, you know, or whether it is, you know, like if you're a vegetarian going for, you know, like, you know, nuts and seeds or, you know, um, beans or lentils, any of those sort. And then good quality fats. Again, people are scared of fats, you know, because of what we have been fed that each and every fat is bad. But we know that there is good fat and there is bad fat. So stay away from the bad fat or the trans fats. But your body needs good fat to function, right? All these omega-3s that our body needs is to fight inflammation, to reduce immunity. So, uh, sorry, not immunity, but autoimmunity. They actually boost your immunity. So that's the reason good fats are great. You know, like all that, you know, like olive oil, coconut oil, fatty fishes, you know, nuts and seeds. All of those things are great. And these are simple things that you can implement today that will change the trajectory of your Hashimoto's disease. So that's the number one thing that I kind of recommend a lot of my folks to work on. The second thing I recommend is stress management. Stress is the biggest killer of all the hormones, whether it is your female hormones, estrogen, progesterone, or even testosterone, or, you know, it is your, your thyroid hormones or adrenal hormones. So very important, our life is totally stressful these days, right? Whether it's going through the pandemic, whether it is, you know, our personal life stress, whether it is a professional stress, we are juggling between too many roles, especially females, right? They're taking a role of a wife, you know, or a daughter, you know, or like taking care of their own kids, you know, like they have a profession, so they're taking the professional life. Wearing so many hats, yes, you can make it function, but it is stressful for your body, right? So just create some time for yourself. I'm not asking for taking like, you know, day off, you know, every week or just, you know, like three or four hours every day that you keep for yourself, but 10, 15 minutes. That itself is very powerful to changing that stress response, right? So cultivating, it, cultivating a hobby, just doing deep breathing exercises, meditating, being in the nature, anything like that, which is stress reducing for your body is going to have a very great impact on all of these hormones. They're going to reduce it. And we all need it. You know, like a lot of people think that, well, you know, I don't react to stress. I don't feel stressful. But your body is feeling the stress. It is a physical stress. We're not even talking about the mental stress over here. So I think those are the two top things if people do on their own or working on their diet and stress, easily they can start today and then can implement it. Beyond that is where I feel that, you know, working with a professional is important because looking at toxins, looking at chronic infections, gut health, leaky gut, those are different aspects that needs to be looked at. But those are a little bit more advanced things that needs like a professional eyes to kind of work through that process. Absolutely. So obviously, you really feel and, sh and know that Hashimoto's is reversible in many cases, or at least sometimes, you know, we can get the medications down, we can do other stuff. So tell me, 
What supplements do you think are good? What supplements do you see out there that you're like, don't do that? I'm sure there's probably some of those too. Are there things that you're like, these are things that you want to make sure that you have enough of or something, you're taking something? Yeah, so I think there's some basic supplements like vitamin D, for instance. I think everybody knows about it, but I just want to give a plug about vitamin D all the time. It's a great vitamin. It's a great hormone itself. You know, helps with menopausal symptoms, your bone health, your mood, your brain health, as well as with your hormonal health in Hashimoto's too. So make sure, you know, your vitamin D levels are great, you know, between 40 to 60, a minimum, you know, you should keep your levels into. Take a vitamin D supplement, you know, uh, very easy to do that. The next thing for the antibodies and Hashimoto's is selenium. Time and again, we have several research studies that shows that taking a selenium supplementations help improve the antibody levels and help improve your thyroid health because selenium is needed by your thyroid. It is needed to help produce your thyroid hormone as well as of conversion of thyroid hormone, which is from T3, T4 to T3. So selenium is a great supplement to help reduce inflammation in the body too. So I think, you know, like selenium is one supplement. Anybody who has Hashimoto's should be taking it. The next one is zinc. Again, zinc is a gay supplement. We all know that it boosts the immunity. It keeps, you know, you know, your immunity in good shape. So you don't get these viral infections and the infections. But what people don't know about is that zinc is also needed by the thyroid gland. Again, zinc is needed by conversion of thyroid gland from T4 to T3 and again, improving your inflammation levels. So that's where zinc is another supplement. So interesting fact was that most of the research studies suggest that when they take zinc along with selenium, the combination of two is actually what reduces the antibody levels. Selenium alone does work, but zinc alone doesn't work for most people along if it is not taken with selenium itself. So these are the things. The next one is magnesium. Magnesium is again one of the important minerals that I think everybody should be on. The problem with magnesium is that most of our food is actually low in magnesium. So there was a research study done which compared, you know, like our food, which was from 1980s to 2010. And what they saw was that the magnesium levels in food has, has decreased dramatically because the soil is deficient in magnesium. So that's the reason we all have to unfortunately take magnesium, even though we might be eating a healthy diet. And magnesium is needed for more than 300 processes in your body. So great supplement, again, thyroid needs it, which again has shown in some research studies, which improved the vascularity of the thyroid gland. So again, you know, in return, improves the thyroid hormone functioning. So magnesium is, you know, again, that supplement that should be taking about it. The most controversial, controversial supplement out of those is the iodine. You know, like, as we discussed, then like, you know, the iodine deficiency can cause thyroid disorders. But now what we know is that excess iodine also is linked to Hashimoto's. The worst part is that we don't have a research study which has, you know, studied a proper dosage saying that, okay, well, 50 micrograms of iodine will cause Hashimoto's and 200 will actually also cause it. So you have to be in between those. So we don't have a research study to know the numbers about it. And the even tough part is that there is no perfect test to check for iodine levels. We do have kind of, you know, a blood test or a urine test to check for it, but those are not perfect. You know, that's the case. So that's a controversial topic. You know, I'm sure you might have you know, like, you know, heard about some people talking about, oh, you know, absolutely everybody with Hashimoto should have iodine onto it. And other people will say, no, absolutely not. That's the wrong thing to do. So it's a controversial thing. I am in the middle, you know, like if you ask me, I feel yes, too much is also too much and too little can be an issue. So generally, I try to kind of focus people on that, that if you're taking food sources of iodine, either like, you know, fortified food, or if you have salt, which is, has iodine added to it, or 
if you're eating food like you know seafood like sea kelp you know and other things seafoods which are high in iodine then i think their body has enough iodine because we don't need too much iodine i think food sources are good enough that's where i am so i don't give too high of iodine through supplementation i'm so glad you said that <laughs> so glad. It's, it's you know it's a it's a pervasive inaccurate recommendation floating around and it's especially pervasive on social media and the internet and there's all these supplements that have like 1600 times the amount of what we're supposed to have and people are taking them and they can't figure out why their Hashimoto's won't get better. And I'm like, because it's causing your Hashimoto's. I'm like, oh my gosh. But it's still, I feel like, I feel like all of us that know this need to be screaming it from the top of the mountains because I think, I think it's still very pervasive. So it's about the right amount, not too much, not too little. That is true. And again, so important. Right. Again, you know, we have the research studies done. So I don't know why people do not like, you know, look at the research studies and take, you know, like you know, an approach which is completely research based. And we all know, you know, like it's like, you know, too little is, you know, like, you know, okay, well, it's bad, but too much is also bad, right? If something is good, doesn't mean that you just can keep giving more and more, right? There is a balance of each and everything that our body needs. So similar thing is with iodine too. The other supplements which I always caution people about is detox supplements. A lot of people, you know, as soon as they hear me talking about, oh, you know, toxins are the major issues, they start researching on internet, they find a couple of the detox protocols and start using them. No, detox is the most complicated thing your body goes through. And just a simple detox protocol online, which actually going to make things worse for you. There are different phases of detox, phase one, phase two, and phase three, right? So very important to understand those. And everybody have an individual detox, you know, like system of their own. And your detox, way of detoxifying might be a little bit different than other person. So a simple detox protocol is going to make things worse. People do not do that. I see so many horrible stories or hear about it. People start these detox protocol, they felt worse. They kept pushing for it because people said, oh, you know, it's just going to get worse before it gets better. No, it's not real. If you're feeling awful about some things, then please do not do those. Because people land up in the hospitals or emergency room because of these detox reactions. You know, things can damage your body. These supplements are just not candies, right? So if you're using them to help your body, they can have negative reactions if not used appropriately. So detox is the only thing I always recommend that make sure you are understanding it completely, how to do it, or working with a professional who understands to optimize all of these detox phases. Otherwise, these toxins are going to harm your body. Yay. Thank you. Thank you for saying that one too. <laughs> I, you know, we have, I know of several practitioners that are like, we start with chelation first. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's like the last thing on the road. <laughs> you know, so yes, because detox is fascinating, but you know, it's, it's a complicated thing. And the more we understand about genetics, the more variability everybody has in those pathways. And so I really think that people need assistance with those things that you can't just pick up a protocol and just run with it. So. So tell me, so how, how, so tell my listeners a little bit. So obviously in your book, you kind of walk through this progression of how to do the diet and lifestyle processes. I mean, it's, it's laid out very simply for them in reversing Hashimoto's so they can start taking some of their own actions. How long does it usually take for people reading your book and patients to kind of go, wow, okay, things are much, much better. So book actually has been written in a very simple language because obviously, you know, there are other people who have written books, you know, which is like kind of complicated for a lot of folks. And people with Hashimoto's are already struggling to kind of understand or follow difficult protocols. So the goal was to give them, you know, give them research-based information 
in a very simple language so most likely most people are able to go through the book within like four or five days so that you know they understand what is going on so the three steps you know like in the book you know is basically the very first step is identifying the root cause right so i, I have basically figured out there are five major categories of root causes which are playing a role in hashimoto's the number one being food sensitivities which we spoke about the second one is stress that we spoke about the third one is toxins right again that is a major role the fourth one is nutritional deficiencies like how i spoke about that a food itself is low in nutrients and the fifth one is infections you know like we know that epstein barr virus or infectious mononucleosis has in so many research studies shown that it can be related to hashimotos but there are other infections like different kind of parasites in your gut candida infections chronic infections like lyme disease and all the other things so these can be linked to hashimotos also so first of all figuring out the root cause you know obviously root cause approach is little bit difficult to figure out things on your own so in the book kind of i give them some questionnaires to for help people to understand okay well well is that particular root cause related to them or not so by kind of asking a few questions to themselves they might be able to figure out one caution i have for people is that most people are again linked or thinking about just one root cause what i feel is that most people have more than two root causes so if you find confused at oh i have this and that and that yes so that is perfectly normal if you find just one root cause most likely you're not looking deep enough because there is more than root two root causes playing a role so that's the first thing that people need to do the second thing is start fixing their thyroid so in that aspect you know we made you know this mitothyroid diet you know which we kind of you know briefly talked about then we have certain supplements you know which again we spoke about that helps with reducing inflammation rejuvenating the thyroid gland and then replacing some of the vitamins and minerals that most commonly are low in a lot of thyroid patients that's the second step the third step is removing the toxicities the removing the toxicity piece is removing stress which is a toxicity removing infections or immunity improving your immunity which is again a toxicity and the third one is the toxins and obviously we are not giving your detox protocol over there we are just talking about how you can improve or lessen the burden of toxins in your body right so those are the things so i think these three steps you know if people start understanding those and implementing those you know they start feeling great in 6 to 8 weeks and then if they repeat their antibodies the antibody level starts going down in 3 to 4 months and then obviously coming the antibodies keeps on improving you know like the more or the longer you follow the protocol and i think between 6 months to 1 year is the maximum benefit in the antibody levels that people will see but i think just feeling good in general they will start feeling a change in their body within 6 to weeks of implementing the protocol awesome Are there any risks that you would outline to somebody to say okay you know here's some side effects to you know going through your protocol or any things they need to kind of watch for Again making major changes right you know let's say a person you know diet is really really bad right you know they're drinking at least 5 to 6 cups of coffee and like you know drinking like you know four or five glasses or bottles of soda or the too much sugary things Now, if they're going to stop those things the very next day, yes, they are going to feel it in their body, right? They're feeling more anxious. They will have those withdrawal symptoms, right? So then, for those people, you know, like depending on where you are, start slow so that your body gets used to it, so your body gets adjusted to it. So very important thing. And with the supplements, you know, like again, understand what is your body needs, right? Again, as we discussed, you know, like some people will think, oh, you know, this supplement, let's say, selenium supplement is helping me. My antibodies are going down. let me start taking five pills in every day of the selenium supplementations even though recommended dose is only one right so no more is not good 
So very important to kind of, you know, work with your body, understand what you're doing and then follow these things. And then just be gentle with your body, be friends with your body, you know, you know, your body is your own. So you don't have to be very drastic. And if you're feeling worse, that's the thing I always tell whether people work with me directly or they're just kind of, you know, reading my book and implementing things. If you're feeling worse, that means something is not right. So if you're feeling worse, don't use a protocol, you know, stop then and there, talk to your health professional before moving forward. Because in this protocols, people will only feel good. They should not be feeling worse. Awesome. Awesome. So obviously, you know, reversing Hashimoto's, tell my patients like where in my listeners and all my friends that listen to Menopause Mastery, where, where can they get the book? Obviously the big booksellers, I would think. Absolutely. Yes. So I think Amazon is a great place to kind of order the book. You know, we have a great Kindle version. So people who want to read online, they can do it. But obviously they can order the physical copy of the book, you know, from Amazon. They can go on our website and also do it. But again, it'll ultimately go to Amazon. But obviously the other big stores also have the book on it. So they can do it. Awesome. So everybody go out and get Reversing Hashimoto's. You know, if you're like me, if it's a technical book, I usually want it in print because I want to like underline or earmark a piece of paper. So although I do use a Kindle, but it's usually for just enjoyment reading. So <laughs> either way, people go get the book Reversing Hashimoto's. Dr. G, thank you, Dr. Gupa, for coming on the show and talking and sharing your wisdom. Thank you so much. Absolutely. No, thank you so much for having me on the show. You know, like you're doing amazing work. You know, I think your experience in this field is great. And all the snippets you are, you know, sharing with your folks, you know, is amazing. You know, you're changing so many lives. So I'm really thankful that you invited me over here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Menopause Mastery. If you loved this episode, please give me a review and share it with a friend so we can share more knowledge and help people rise. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Menopause Mastery Podcast. You are why I'm here, and I am so very grateful. Hit subscribe so you don't miss any wisdom on creating the most exceptional life on our terms. If this episode has helped you in any way, please share it with a friend to spread the love and together we rise. You can follow me on social media at Betty Murray PhD and you can reach me online at BettyMurray.com. 